football on off the ball. He hasn't failed his way. Most people who've worked with him would say that. He'll have a counter-argument that in time, and I'm sure I know he wouldn't be happy about me making that comment, but I don't think he's failed. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Katie McCabe, a huge, huge goal. I'm very proud of the team's performance. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello and welcome to the Koi Gig Pod. I am not Kathleen McNamee. <laughs> Kathleen has left me in... I don't know. I don't know what to say about it, but I do have Emma Carroll from Off The Ball to keep me on my toes. And of course, I'm joined by the one and only Emma Byrne for this week's Hoi Gig Pod. So before we get into all of the WSL action, we had the final showpiece and what caps off a really good uh, domestic season in the Women's FAI Cup final yesterday where Athlone defeated Shelburne on penalties after a thrilling 2-2 draw. Um, Obviously, it's a huge occasion. Um, There was really good promo done for it. I think the weather might have affected the crowd a little bit, but it was up towards the 4,000. So really, really good atmosphere was built um, and they were treated to a really good game. Emma Carroll, what did you make of it? The drama. It was drama. It's great, isn't it? To see mm. a bit of like it's since 2015, I think it's the last time the cup final went to penalties. Um Athlone seemed to be the penalty queens this year. Sorry, Karen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I made them the queen. I'm my, my penalty is still <laughs> traveling towards the corner flag, I think. <laughs> um yeah, decent game. Um exciting stuff. Rebecca Quinn was obviously or Gemma Quinn even um mm-hmm. When she came on as well, made the difference for Shells, although she seemed to tighten up a bit. So maybe she didn't start for a reason. Maybe her fitness wasn't mm-hmm. up to levels, maybe. Um, two great finishes, though, from her to bring Shells back into it. At long, get an equaliser. And the way they celebrate, they seem to think they have won it there and then before it even went to penalties. So, um, and yeah, penalty drama. Yeah, I penalty drama is good. Yeah, I mean, Both it's their third of the competition. Um, but within the game itself, you'd have to say that Athlone deserved to bring it to penalties. I think they were the better side throughout the game. Um, but again, let's bring our focus to the goalkeepers. Emma Byrne. Goalkeepers. So I only got the extended highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, during the game, it looked like Athlone were, you know, just better, more efficient with the ball. Looked mm-hmm. like they were closing down much better than Shells. Shells were a little bit off the pace. It looked like, well, when they comes- allowed to Athlone to settle oh, into yeah. the game, they really allowed Athlone to settle into the game. Their the big pitch, obviously, in Tallah Stadium, meant that there wasn't a really assertive press from Shells. And Athlone, in terms of their possession, have improved significantly since the turn of the season. Um, and yeah, I was I was actually really really impressed by by how they moved the ball and how they got third man runs. And I don't think Shelburne really expected that from them. Okay, yeah, no, it was, I thought it was quite good. The highlights were good. You want to talk about the goalkeepers? <laughs> I mean, I obviously know. the equaliser for um, Shelburne, uh, the keeper parried it out to Gemma Quinn, who was in the right place and really made an impact on the game, Emma, as you say. And then we had a goalkeeper taking a penalty and the second penalty, second penalty. of the penalty shootout. And I remember, Emma, we did the uh, Australia game where the goalkeeper took a penalty and you were not one bit impressed at that stage. So what do you think of a goalkeeper <laughs> taking the second penalty? Um, I mean, I don't 
partic- I don't particularly like it. And I said on television why. The reason is because you've got such a big job, like actually trying to stop them. Then you have to go and, and it's obviously a completely different mindset when you're taking them. And then if you don't score, you have to go back in <laughs> being absolutely devastated. And you could see Amanda McQuillan like apologizing to her teammates, like, what is going on there? Like, what are you apologizing for anyway? You've got to go back in goal (laughs) and try and save the next one. It is, I find it really strange and yeah, okay. When it comes to sudden death, fair enough, you have to take one, but otherwise just, you know, you've got a big job to do, focus on that. And especially if if you haven't had a great game, like I think you have to be confident going and taking those penalties and, there were, there were a few mistakes in the game. I don't think I would have been, as a manager, asking my goalkeeper to take one, but it's one of those ones, isn't it? If she scores, we're all like, oh, that was brilliant by her. Yeah. You know, goalkeepers have the technique. They're kicking all day, kicking all week. So, but um, personally, I don't like goalkeepers taking penalties because we have a, a big enough job to, to try and save them. So, yeah, it was a little bit strange. A couple yeah. of mistakes in the game as well. I mean, it's just a contrast, really, because in the WSL, we're talking about how good the goalkeepers are and how, for once, we're praising the goalkeepers. It's the goalkeepers that are winning games if they make a mistake, like which aren't there are very few mistakes at this stage in the WSL. Um the, the teams are finding it very difficult to recover to then go and watch the final and coming across these mistakes um, is a little bit sad really but easy things to fix so I'm hoping those goalkeeping coaches are looking at that game I know exactly what training I would do with, with both of these keepers to try and fix them um, and I hope that that happens because well you learn from the mistake basically yeah. yeah, her head seemed to drop as well after because the first penalty you could see she was jumping around trying to play the mind games and then after that she's like she moved for maybe one of them but she barely moved for the for the rest so I think it definitely impacted her confidence as well. This is another thing that I wouldn't be a big fan of. All this jumping around. <laughs> Who has energy for that? <laughs> <laughs> no, just simply because um if you're still that split, split second, if your feet ha- haven't landed and they take the penalty, that split second stops you saving uh, a goal, basically. And it's the same with anything getting set on a shot or uh, during play or whatever. Always make sure you're set for, for a strike. And if you're doing that, it can be quite difficult Um I mean, it does work for some keepers. You've seen in in the WSL, Kiara uh, for Man City does it, and she nearly, very nearly got there. But if she wasn't jumping, I wonder if she would have got there. Just those little split second things make a difference for goalkeepers. Yeah, and again, you'd wonder if that kind of knowledge is imparted by goalkeeper coaches at at club level. Um, so I know you've spoken about it before, Emma, that there's definitely work to do in this country, because if you look at where our goalkeepers have come from since you retired, they've been tended to be um, foreign based players. Um, so interesting stuff, um, but a huge congrats to Athlone on a thoroughly deserved cup final victory. Um, a significant amount of work has come Put, been put in by the club uh, since they came into the league a few years ago and to get silverware at this early stage of 
of their existence um, is great. Now, the drama wasn't just on the pitch. Um, there was an interview done by Michael O'Connor, uh, the Athlone director of football after, um, where he said some strong words uh, with regards to League of Ireland funding in general and the support that the clubs are getting. I think it was in a broader sense to do with both the men's and the, the women's game, but strong words regarding there being no government funding for the League of Ireland and making reference to the fact that the Minister for Sport, Thomas Byrne, wasn't there, but he could make his way out to Australia, um, which was good. But he was calling out for them to come and meet with clubs. And his final statement was that clubs are drowning. Um, So there were some really, really strong words. So off the ball, uh, did contact um, Thomas Byrne's department and came back with some some facts and figures. Athlone Town has received significant government and financial support to date, 2,850,000 in government funding under the sports capital and equipment program was allocated to Athlone Town during the years that the new home stadium was built by the club. In addition, Athlone Town was allocated 200,000 euro by the government in 2015 for an all-weather pitch and in 2020, the club was allocated over 250,000 by the government to provide suitable and appropriate accommodation for existing members of the club and in order to increase female participation. Apart from Athlone Town, the Minister says, I've met with a number of other League of Ireland clubs this year and I'm always happy to engage with them. As well as this, he went again, what O'Connor said, in terms of the funding given to soccer in this country, saying the government support package set out under the Memorandum of Understanding provided for the restoration and doubling of funding for football development to 5.8 million each year from 2020 to 2023. This amount is more than is provided in comparison to any other national governing body of sport. So we don't know what way funding is split. We don't know how things are done by the FAI. Obviously, we know that Funding has been suspended due to some more drama there. But I just wanted to get your take on what you thought of those kind of strong words in that clubs are drowning. How do we stop them from drowning? Is it just government funding? Is it directly looking at the funds that the FAI have received and how they're allocated? Um, Big strong words to come out of that interview. Yeah, yeah, I I found it quite emotional actually. I was like, this guy's come on and he's like, this is my platform to say exactly what I want to say. And mm-hmm. I, I loved his passion. And you know, you, you've just said it. We don't know how blah blah blah. This is split there, so we're calling for for transparency, maybe a little bit. Um. Also, he was he was focusing on the the grassroots football, the fact that they had to to pay their own way, and this is something that very much it's very very common around the UK and Ireland that you know parents do have to pay for the kids to play and that's that's pretty common um, and also why should we suffer for the mistakes of the you know the people before us but I do think you know we do have to give the the new regime the FEI chance um I would like to know a little bit more about it I find it very interesting and now that I'm in there, um, I'd like to know a little bit more about it, but I I do get very positive vibes from the 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 people that are in there now, and I mm-hmm. it's about trust, isn't it? They're gonna they do have a long way to go to get people's trust and get the club, club's trust, but they are trying to do what that. I would say as well as that he did um, mention Mark Scanlon and the league office absolutely doing their best, 
But it, he was at pains to say that the resourcing isn't enough for what we need to get the leagues to the next level in this country. And I think it's very significant for the women's game um, as more and more players come into the WSL from outside of England and Ireland. It's getting harder for our girls to come across and make an impact in a really, really high league. We want them playing at a more professional standard, but we want our league to bridge a gap between things like the championship or other places in Europe. And I think it wouldn't take much given the growth in participation levels in the strength of the underage groups coming through. It's a huge amount of young girls coming through. So, and now is the time to do it. And the FAI's hands are a little bit tied in that because of the funding that they're now receiving. But can the government separate what's gone before to the opportunity that they have now? Hopefully yeah. they can. Yeah, that's that's what they have to do. Mm -hmm. They have to do it. And, you know, women's sport is women's football in general is is a massive thing. We would be one of the only countries that isn't investing in it, to be quite honest. And now is the time like the back of a World Cup as well. There's so many young girls interested in it. Um, And but it's what you say there. We're trying to bridge that gap between the uh, the the league and then the WSL. But. Like also, I'd be calling on players to look on themselves as you know as well. They're going from one environment into the other and really struggling because of, you know, just not working hard themselves at home. Like you, you know what it's like. I know what it's like. You have to push yourself a little bit more. And if you don't feel like you're getting in training, you push yourself a little bit more. You know if you want to get to that level, um, you have to push yourself whether it's yeah. in the club or whether it's outside the club. And then I'd look at what are managers and coaches asking from their players? Are they asking for, for that top standard? Because I think one of the things that our players struggle with when they do go to the UK is that level of professionalism. It kind of like hits them like, wow, okay, this is what I should, probably should have been doing two years ago. So maybe it's just like even just educating what it takes to become a top player yeah. because we have got the, we've got the levels as in the natural ability, but now it's about producing the players like athletically or, you know, it's what they eat. It's what, how they live in general. And I'm not, I don't know what goes on, but that's one thing that we can help ourselves with as players. Yeah. I mean, there's always yeah. a level of self-motivation and um, obviously I played at home the whole way when I was playing international and you go to the gym on your lunch break, you do those extra bits if you want to make that level. Um, but I do think as well, recovery is a huge part. And some of the girls who are playing from Athlone, um, they're American girls and they were the standout players on the pitch for me yesterday. And they're maybe working part-time and they've gone in and they've started training with the men's team as well as doing their own individual sessions, their own gym sessions on top of what they're doing with their girls on the pitch. So that's what I see is the next level, giving the girls the opportunity to be able to do those extra sessions, even if it's with a men's team. And that just comes from having a little bit more time. Um, and that comes from funding. So I think that's where yeah. that comes into the league. Uh, Emma, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, actually, it comes back to one of the things that your manager, James, was saying um, on Off The Wall Breakfast a couple of weeks ago about structure and maybe looking at the IRFU structure and offering some players centralised contracts so that they don't have to work part time so that they can focus more on their training and their routines um to build that like strength and conditioning mm -hmm. all that side um 
And I think that could be an interesting avenue. I don't really know if the FAI will go down that route, but his comparison was we have one of the best rugby teams in the world and all the players play in Ireland. So is there something that can be done to bridge that gap, to keep the younger players here, let them finish school? That's it. I think it's for younger players we really need to kind of focus on because from what I'm seeing is any opportunity these girls are getting given to train they are they're all doing these one-to-one sessions if anyone in the club offers them an extra session they're turning up to it their parents are willing to bring them the, they know that there is a pathway to go professional they do know that they have to put in the work but it's it's putting the structures in place to allow them to avail of the extra help and like you say, the knowledge on nutrition, the knowledge on strength and conditioning. Yes, more can be done in the clubs. At the moment, yes, we're turning into a professional league in theory, but who can employ these kind of strength and conditioning coaches full time, this kind of stuff. Um, it comes back to a bit of funding and how we're going to structure that. But again, I think we could talk about that all day. I think there's a lot uh, deeper that we can go on that. Uh, before we move on to the team of the week, Obviously, the worst kept secret in women's football came out this week that Emma Hayes was joining the USA national team. Um, She said she's not motivated by money, which I absolutely believe. So what do you think it is about the US job? Is it still the biggest job in women's football? Because Emma is the most sought after manager in women's football. I think so. I I think I think so. It's just that they're so prestigious and nothing about the two million that maybe she'll make over. <laughs> um, no, I, I do think so. That, and you know what? It's a really good time to go in as well. Not just for Emma personally, because international football does allow her more time with her little boy, which is exactly what she wants. But they had such a bad World Cup. Like they were horrible in the World Cup. They cannot be any worse as far as I'm concerned. They're not enjoyable to watch. But even still, they used to be enjoyable to watch and got results. They'd score goals, so everybody's yeah. seen that. But no, they, they were really, really poor, surprisingly. So I thought it's a great time for her to go in because it's only going to get better. And it's, you know, she said to me when she left Chicago and came back to Arsenal, she goes, I'm going to, she said she never said this on, on TV, but she said it to me. She goes, I'm going to manage the US national team one day. And we all laughed, you know, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um, but that was those, you know, she did set the bar high for herself and rightly so because she knew her worth, but um, it's a great time for her to go. Uh, Emma loves the behind the scenes. She likes coaching and things like that, but she absolutely thrives in creating better infrastructures and and just things that go on behind the scenes, improving standards behind the scenes. So I think that's going to be really interesting for her and she'll get to work with top, top people. And that's one thing the US do very, very well. They get in the best of the best. You know, she'll have a staff of like 20 people. And I think she's going to really enjoy that. Emma, well, doesn't seem like it's uh, affecting her Chelsea team in a negative way. We'll get on to all the action after we get your team of the week. Emma Carroll, hit us with your team of the week. Yep. Um, yeah, some obviously standout players from the weekend. Um, I'll get straight into a first though. Leipzig in goal, um, a back three of Perise, Carabali and Ashley Neville. Sophie Ingle and um, Cooney Cross in the middle. 
Welcome back, Kenzie Daly, um, Chloe Kelly, Alessia Russo, and Lauren James, and <laughs> Rachel Daly, then up top. Yeah, surprised to see Lauren James in there. I know, shocker. Shocker to see her in there. <laughs> um, Emma Byrne, what do you think of Emma Carl's team of the week this week? I mean, Chloe Kelly and Lauren James were so good. They were so good yesterday. It was just like yesterday in the divorce. Um, they were brilliant. Just top, top, top class. And to think that they are playing for England, like they're on the same team international level, um, is extremely frightening because if they're both on form, they're just easily like the best attacking players. In positions. Yeah, yeah I think so. I think so. Uh, Leipzig, you could have chosen a few keepers, I think. Again, love talking about the goalkeeper. <laughs> Good performances, yeah. but um, you could have picked uh, Leipzig. You could have picked Van Domselaar. I thought she was really Sorry. good. Yeah. Well, some really good saves. Um, so yeah, but Leipzig was so good. Um, Carabelli was what made me laugh so much. I was doing this game and I had to take my microphone away because she was like, at the start, she was getting beaten up. Like she was, they were just bullying it's like her. The switch just flicked. They're so physical, Arsenal. Like I didn't until you see them like in person, you don't actually realize how physical they are. And Carabelli was like, "Okay, that's it. I've had enough. Right, I'm just gonna absolutely flatten everybody that comes near me." So I really enjoyed that. I love that from a centre back, though. Yeah, you need it. Well, Brighton yeah. need it. They need it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Cooney Cross. I think she's just such a natural. She could easily go under the radar in games. Like you wouldn't be talking about her too much, but her work rate and he, nailed she, on starter for you for the rest of the season. She was everywhere. Um, for me, yeah, but, mm. but I don't think that's going to happen. But I would, I mm. would, I actually like her and Pelova together. I think they they work really well. But what are you going to do? Keep Kim Little? Off? No, obviously not. No, you're going to play her. <laughs> of course you are. Uh, I thought Monum did excellent when she came on as well. Um, Rachel, and do you think that was proven a point because she was dropped, or you think that that was just the game opened up for her? No, I think she she's a great player. Mm-hmm. I think she gets in really good positions, but her teammates don't give her the ball enough. She she finds really good positions in and around those the half spaces in between the midfield, the opposition midfield, and defence, and they just don't give her the ball. It's just ridiculous. I think she's so clever, and she's the big difference for Arsenal. I think. Um, also, it helped because um, Ford was dropping and then dropping centrally. So just allowing that space. Uh, just clever play from Arsenal, which is, I haven't said that that often. <laughs> yeah, they were good. Uh, shout out for Sophie Ingle, who became the all-time WSL leading appearance holder, her 184th yep. WSL appearance. Pretty good going to maintain your place, particularly in a, a squad as competitive as Chelsea's. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of her work goes under the radar as well. And I think she was really good Saturday. So I thought, you know, record appearance, she definitely deserves a spot in there. Yeah. And a return to the team of the week for Ashley Neville, who we haven't seen for a while. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It was kind of an odd weekend for um, defenders, but I thought she was actually really good <laughs> and an assist as well. Yeah. Um, Russo still getting in there for her work rate, I guess, rather than finishing. I thought she was really good yesterday. She was like linking up everything, and then she gets back in the box and does like a 
center back yeah, tackle. That last like the timing of that was unreal. Yeah. I'm not being funny, Emma. I think you could have played in there and looked that good. She was getting <laughs> nobody was picking her up. She had an absolute freedom of London role in there. <laughs> And it was so yeah. obvious she was going to do that as well. You're going to play Blackstinius and Roos was going to drop. She does drop anyway, but mm-hmm. it was she was starting there. I didn't get I didn't understand what Arsenal like. If you've got Blackstinius on the pitch, you're playing against a high three that are slow. Why would you not play in behind every time? Just playing behind. They played in behind twice and it was very dangerous. And this is another thing I don't get. Like once something's working. Why not just keep doing it? <laughs> Why? And then if the opposition change, then you can play like defeat and play more in the through the thirds. But um, I think it could have been a lot more if they exploited those spaces. Well, yeah, I thought Kane was really good yeah. for Leicester. Kane was brilliant, yeah. I was checking her nationality. <laughs> <laughs> Playing for Wales. Um, I thought she was really good. I also thought she was very good against Arsenal, but... I thought maybe, you know, you need to see more of them. And then that game as well against uh, Spurs, I thought she was very good. So she's interesting. Keep an eye on her. Brilliant. Well, we will wait and see if they make it into Emma Carroll's team of the week next week. Or are we international break next week or do we have another week? We have another week. Okay, perfect. Thank (laughs) you so much, Emma Carroll, for all your hard work as usual. Cheers. Now we're going to chat through all of the WSL action from the weekend with Emma Byrne and I'll begrudgingly start with Man United in front of 43,000 people, their first defeat of the WSL to a very deserving victor in Manchester City. Um, Three changes for City that I think made an impact that that turned their fortune around after two uh, losses, Um, Greenwood, Uhabi and Hemp coming back in for City. So... Emma, you'd have to say it was um, the scoreline reflected the way the match went. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought United were poor. I just they they looked like a team that shouldn't really be winning anything. And you've just said this is their first loss. Mm. It was surprised that surprises me. Just looking how they were playing, especially I want to, to be honest. I haven't seen United make many mistakes, but two mistakes yesterday that you just cannot afford to do and it's a strange I think it kind of told the whole story to be honest those mistakes they looked like a team that were tired look they didn't look sharp they looked second to everything like that and they just looked a little bit um nearly distracted which is strange because in a derby you're like it's yeah and Mark Skinner did make reference to the fact that they felt like the occasion got to them whereas at a professional level, you and you're driving the standards, you want to be playing in Old Trafford. You want to be playing in front of those crowds and you need to be able to perform in front of them. But the mistakes you're uh, referring to, Zellum caught in possession for the hemp goal and Bunny Shaw blocking down um, Mary Earps after a Letizia back pass. And Man United had possession, the whole pitch in front of them before that back pass. And instead of going forward and driving on, they turned back. And as soon as Letizia saw Shaw coming near her, complete panic. So they were panicking under the pressure. They were panicking under City's press, which wasn't even like gung-ho, all guns blazing press. United just gave them the chance to get in on them. 
Yeah, no, I I don't understand that language about the, mm-hmm. the occasion. No, you know you're playing against a rival that's probably the best in the league at the moment. I'm going to be like, if I don't get sent off, it'll be surprising, to be honest. I would be like so wound up for that game. And it looked the opposite. So maybe he's saying that maybe there's too much emphasis on it being a derby. And sometimes that can drain you a little bit. But still, I just, I'm not having that. I just think they were... I don't think it's very, it's dissimilar to how the pattern of how they've been playing, though. No, the wins that they've been getting haven't been hugely impressing where they've been completely dominant either. No, no, no. And you know what? You, you, you made changes which changed the game. I thought Lucia Garcia came on and changed it just with her energy. Just energy, yeah. Things like bringing energy onto the pitch. And, you know, even, you know, the goals, Katie Zellum looked a little bit lethargic yesterday as you know we've spoken about that a little bit slow to do things and you're not going to get away with that at the highest level and we've seen what happened in Champions League I actually thought they did quite well in Champions League considering but you definitely don't get away with it and then you like they're just decision making they don't like you're yeah you're looking at City's wide players and you're saying they are so threatening and the back four for Man United were just too narrow at times. They were so narrow. They gave them so much space. I think from particularly for the first goal, um, you had a centre midfielder trying to get back with Kelly rather than a full back. And it was just so disjointed. Um, now it was a, it was a good, good build-up play not to take it away from them. But yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's not fully clicking for Mark Skinner's side at the moment. No, absolutely not. There are at least two players, I'm not going to name names, but there are two players on that team that look very much below par at the moment, look like they're really lacking in confidence. And you can't afford those spaces in the team. They're very, they're very name names, name names. (laughs) And, um, I think it's only going to get worse for them, to be quite honest. It's very difficult to claw your way back up if you're low in confidence. But as you said, City were awesome. They've got yeah. some players in there that are absolute mustard. And I think Ford just, what a signing, what a clever signing because... Yeah, you weren't fully convinced at the start of the no, season she's I'm changed her not. opinion. I'm still not. She needs to convince <laughs> me a bit more. But I would love to know how many goals Jill Roard scores through the opposition's legs. That was, yeah, that's a good one, yeah. I guarantee you it's way above our average. Way above. It's all I ever see. It's a, a weird technique that people think they can block you and all of a sudden it's gone. Just shoots and, I, and it doesn't matter if there are players around she just shoots. That's the way to do it. You don't shoot, you don't score. Wise words from Emma Byrne there, everyone. Cliche, cliche <laughs> Byrne. <laughs> yeah, so City again, possibly on the ascendancy. United, a lot of work yeah, to do. He'll change, it. he'll change the team. Talked about Leilu Habi. She had a good game. Why? She probably won't play next game. Like, it's it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Got, like, he'll, he'll want to give Mary Fowler. I understand why. She's a great yeah. player, but... It's worked. Why don't you just keep it? Maybe just keep the team that has beaten United, apart from Alexandri, who was just got herself. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. City has disciplinary record this season is not fantastic. Something love maybe it. to keep an eye on. But love it. Yeah, we love it. We love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're all for it. Um, another team who have been 
you know, chopping and changing a little bit, but seem to be on the ascendancy are Arsenal. And a shout out to Katie McCabe, who was voted PFA WSL Fans Player of the Month. She must need an extension on her house for all these awards at this time. But um, yeah, Arsenal again brought a great traveling crowd to Brighton. Uh, first start for Beth Mead since her ACL injury. Uh, Emma, you were obviously on this game. What were your main takeaways? Main takeaways. takeaways. <laughs> um, main takeaways were that Arsenal could be um, a team that could go and be the best in the world, but still are struggling to play together as a team. And still, for me, they don't have that I don't know, nearly the 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 murderous play of, you know, they could have been 6-0 up at mm-hmm. halftime if they played to their strengths and, and Brighton's weaknesses. I just feel like they just don't, they just don't see it or something. I said before, they should have been playing in behind way more. That's why Blackstinius is playing. Blackstinius is one of the best in Europe at those runs in behind and they never play her. And then you've got Russo who's, who had the so much space Probably for me, didn't get on the ball enough considering. Um, Brighton did well at times defending, but then they looked like a team that they were a little bit confused at what their jobs were. There was a lot going on there, particularly in the midfield for them. And I was like, well... Don't want to say too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they got they improved as the game went on. But even for the Black Stenius goal, she she did a pirouette before anyone even got near her. Complete swipe, and still was able to turn around again I mean, and ping it in. Going on? Now, that is her sixth goal in nine games. So, she is she their starting striker for Arsenal? Or are we going to continue to see changing? Listen, I think that Black Stinius has proven that she should be playing. But if I were her, I'd be demanding those balls into the channels because they're just not playing to her strengths. And then it looks a little bit like she's not involved that much, which she wasn't as much yesterday. And do you think that's because Idavel is trying to create a certain style of play or because the girls don't fully know how to play together yet? I, I... I think that the team has chopped and changed so much that they probably are still in that stage of of getting to know each other, which is not ideal at this stage. Um, they 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 look like they want to play to feet, but you know what it's like if you're if it's not working or you're getting closed in or you're playing against the Leicester that's playing player for player. Sometimes you have to go along. It's not it's not difficult. You just have to go along to stretch the game, particularly if Steen is playing. She's very very good. Then you start playing and because they're stretched, uh, it's if you want to go around, which Arsenal do, they've got the highest number of crosses in the WSL. So they're very good at creating the chances on the outside. They just don't have the numbers in the box. And that's the difference between Arsenal and Chelsea at the moment. I actually think Arsenal play better football, but Chelsea load the box. They load yeah. the box and Arsenal just can't seem to do that, whether it's because the midfielders are playing too deep or whatever. Um. So there's a few things going on with Arsenal and it just looks like they don't have that player. Like that is one thing I think Kimmy, more than one thing Kimmy brings <laughs> to the game, but she's definitely the one to take control. Listen, we need to play a little bit longer here. Or listen, we can play through the center, then go out wide or whatever. Um, so I still think we're yet to see that from Arsenal. 
That's could have done it yesterday. They should a have done of, it. A lot of learnings from a 3-0 victory. I'd hate to see what you have to say if well, they well, lost. Well, I said I was speaking to their um, their press officer yesterday <laughs> and I was saying, yeah, they're, they're just not, they're not hitting the marks. Like last week was was pretty horrific if you ask me. And you went, we won 6-2. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and... <laughs> They're yeah. standards for Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, but look, they've won their last five. They're, they're three points off at uh, the top of the table. And of course, Chelsea kept their winning, winning streak uh, very much in, in line after a 5-1 victory over Liverpool. Again, it was the, the Lauren James show. Um, the midfield was it was won in the midfield, I think, very early in that game. Um and Matt Beard said after the match that he felt like Liverpool let themselves down. And it's it's mad because at the start of the season, we saw Liverpool, after improving, playing much better. And now it's just a little bit inconsistency. You don't really know what Liverpool is going to show up on any given day. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? Liverpool has had an unbelievable start. Just a great start to the season. And I think their, their work rate kind of backs that up like that that's what helps them their work rate behind the ball and with Van Sanden coming back in definitely brings a great attack element these lot these lot it's their walkies um I'm gonna speak over them uh, but they're carrying players they are carrying players certain positions that is very much the weak part of their team and Big teams, better teams are going to exploit that. And that is the difference. When they play um, the likes of, you know, the West Ham's, the Aston Villas, the Brighton's, that's that's okay. But when you play against the big teams, they can't afford to have those weaknesses. Now, I know they beat Arsenal at the start of the season, but that for me was not Liverpool winning. It was Arsenal losing the game. Yeah, so. and I suppose we could wax lyrical about Chelsea again. Lauren James uh, just tore them apart. But Emma Hayes as well said after the match that there's something different in the dressing room this year. Do you think that that is the case or is it just Chelsea are so used to winning that they've just developed that culture and people aren't going to get near them? Do you think there is a difference in what you're seeing on the pitch? I don't think there's a difference really in what they're doing. I think they're playing very similar than what they were last season. The difference is just better quality, better quality balls in the box. Players have improved. Like um, we spoke about Neve Charles and she was a player that was definitely learning her trade last season. And she's just gone on to another level. Like it's it's incredible, really. Um, and you've got everyone hitting the mark at the right time. We haven't spoken about Erin Cuthbert. Why? Because everybody else around her has stepped up and are doing really well. So I think... Like even I think Canarid is a good example. She was a bench player coming off. Yeah, she's okay. She's a she's really an impact player. She's come on her crosses into the box, her delivery into the box, excellent. And they're and they know that. So the difference is that they're very confident that they're going to get those balls into the area. So they're just overloading, committing players, and they're they're just frightening going forward. Um. Do you think there's a way to stop that? Yeah, I think their backline is probably their weakest okay. unit. So if you can put pressure on them, try and stop them early on. 
And if not, you're you're going to have to buy some quick players at the back because you're going to be in one v one situations, and they are very quick. I think if you've got a quick backline, you'll be doing all right. Very good. Uh, elsewhere, Villa uh, got their second win of the season, which gets sees them leapfrog Everton, who had another draw. Um, Aston Villa's turn in fortune is that the the Dali effect? What do you think? Yeah, hundred percent. Just <laughs> wanted to talk about it to be honest. <laughs> what, what do you think? Of course, it is. She, they're a different team. They're even they look like different players when she's on the pitch, and that's how you know a world class player when she makes other players around her look good. Um, just her heat map alone, like she's everywhere. Yeah, you know the French players generally are good technicians. We talk about them in clinical finishers, but she, her work rate's incredible. And um, she just makes everyone look better. She makes um, Daly look so much better. You know, just, you'd be wrapping her up in cotton wool. In fact, if I was Rachel Daly, I would be minding her. She'd be <laughs> in my house, wrapped up. I'd be cooking her dinner, making sure she was absolutely perfect. Um, she makes a big, big difference. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously West Ham, their run of form is is not very good. I know they're a young squad, but um, you know, it's it's not good times for them. Everton as well, they would have expected to get a home win against Bristol. They drew two two, and Leicester drew with Spurs, which keeps Leicester in seventh place. I mean. At this stage of the season, I think from where they were last year, that's, you know, again, another strong start has has stood to them as it has with Liverpool. Was there any other highlights from those games, Emma? That um, No, I think you covered it. I mean, Leicester shouldn't be in the bottom with their mm-hmm. signings. I'd expect, I, I do expect more for them. They've got a world-class keeper and that's all they need. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Kept them up last season and she was absolutely brilliant. And, and you know, they've added to it. And I think... Uh, Kirk has done quite well with his recruitment. Um, no, I, I, apart from that, it's great to see that the Irish would love to see more of them, more get, you know, our younger players get on and something you spoke about at the start of the show. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a great week. It's getting better and better, I think, every week. Who's well, going to get relegated? Who knows? Who's going to win? You've no idea. At Christmas, we always have an idea. We're going to say Chelsea, but <laughs> they're going to drop points. They will drop points. Well, we'll look forward to getting those predictions at Christmas and we look forward to the podcast next week. Emma Byrne, thank you so much for joining the Koi Gig Pod on Off the Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. We will speak to you all next week. The Koi Gig Pod on Off the Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team.